0: Hey, Believers, it's Dr. Shante, and Bachelorette is in less than two weeks. You know, one of the reasons why I started podcasting is because I wanted to change and shift the narrative about women in media, and a lot of times people think that the way to do that is to become in front of the camera or behind the microphone as a host, but one of the most powerful ways to shift the narrative about stereotypes and culture in media is to actually be the person producing it. That's where the real power is. And so that really is what Bachelorette is all about is being able to take control of those narratives and to produce content that represents the best of who you are, that represents your story, especially when your story is not represented well in the mainstream. So this is your final opportunity. We are down to our last handful of tickets. If you haven't already, make sure that you hit up my social media at Dr. Shante Says, grab your ticket and join us on the 29th for Bachelorette. You do not want to miss it. Hello believers, it's Dr. Shantae, and welcome back to another episode of Believing Bigger. We have made it, we have done it. This is the Valley finale. I know that this series has been a blessing to you. Your feedback, I've gotten emails, and tweets, and Instagram posts, and this series is blessing your life and it really is just confirmation. Sometimes, you know, you, when you're afraid to do things, it's really those things that actually need to be done. And they say, you know, just go ahead and do it afraid. I didn't necessarily want to start with the va- Valley series because I was like, okay, you know, we've got a new look and we've got a new vibe and it's about believing bigger. But, and I wanted to kind of keep things positive and upbeat. At the same time, sometimes that's just the reality of our circumstances that we need to be believing bigger than the valleys that we find ourselves in. So, Thank you for your feedback. Thank you for rocking with me for a third season. I so appreciate you. And I am ready to end this on a high note uh, in a way that you will be encouraged, that you will be motivated. If you guys could do me a favor and just make sure that you're sharing this podcast, make sure that you are using it to to lift somebody else up. And if you can, if you want Believing Bigger to move up into the iTunes ranks, if you want more people to have the same blessing that you've been getting week after week, please make sure that you leave a review in iTunes, I would greatly appreciate you because it helps with the numbers, it helps with the analytics, so that it makes it easier for people to find me and hear the same things that you guys have been hearing for these past three seasons. So let's get right into it. So the Valley finale, I'm excited about it. This is coming right out of Believing Bigger, a 31-day faith journey. So if you have not gotten your copy, please hop on Amazon and cop that ASAP. We are coming up in the holiday season and into the new year. I know it seems crazy to say that, but we are literally like four or five Fridays away from like Thanksgiving and, you know, eight Fridays away from Christmas and like 10 Fridays away from like New Year, something like that. And I was like, wow, we ha- we have made it. Like the end of the year is really right upon us and it's going to go quickly as it always does. And so we're going to be doing a lot with Believing Bigger, a 31-day faith journey to make sure that your new year is getting off to a positive start, making sure that you are clearing out the debris. I know that the new year is when we tend to make a lot of Declarations and resolutions and things like that that tend to fall by the wayside by the second or third week of the new year. But I hope that in the new year that we can use this text to kind of hold us accountable and we can kind of move through this faith journey together. So Believing Bigger, a 31-day faith journey, this is actually coming from the last chapter in the book, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So if you haven't read it yet, um, this is how the book ends. And it's actually a great way to end this series, the Valley Finale. And so our guiding thought today is coming from John chapter five, verse seven. And it says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water is stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And the title of this chapter is, It's Time to Get Up. Have you ever been sick for a prolonged period of time? Perhaps it was a bad cough or a bug that just wouldn't go away. Maybe you strained some part of your body and the soreness ached on for months, even years. Right now, you might be living with physical limitations that hinder your ability to move around as much as you like. Or it may even be that you were hurt emotionally, mentally, psychologically, and the wounds linger on. Whether the ailment is physical or emotional, many of us have become accustomed to living with pain. And that was the situation for the men and women laying near the pool of Bethesda. In John chapter five, we encounter a scene of pain and desperation. As a multitude of sick people lay next to the pool, each one of them either blind, paralyzed, or badly limping. The multitude lie there hurting and helpless, waiting for an opportunity to be healed. As Jesus passed by, one man stood out. This particular man had been crippled for 38 years. 38! Knowing his condition, Jesus asked the man, do you want to get well? Instead of seizing the moment and answering with an emphatic, yes, I absolutely do, The man started telling Jesus about his problems. The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Some of us, like this man, have been managing pain for so long that we don't recognize the opportunity for healing right in front of us. We don't hear Jesus asking, Do you want to get well? We have gotten so used to complaining, so used to bitterness, so used to disappointment that we become like the people at the pool of Bethesda, blind, paralyzed, and badly limping. For 38 years, this man sat on the sidelines watching others get healed, receive breakthroughs, and walk away happy and whole. But he was so blinded by years of disappointment that he didn't even recognize that his healing had arrived. Jesus was standing right before him at this point in your faith journey you have to answer the questions do I want to get well am I ready to be healed when Jesus questioned the man he got excuses in return maybe it was because healing meant that the man would have no more reasons no more excuses not to live his life full out are you like that man is your pain keeping you from living full out Are the years of built-up disappointment and frustration and doubt holding you back? Are you so focused on the illness in your life that you don't see the cure, Jesus, standing right in front of you? While it is true that pain serves a purpose, there is a measured start and end time for it. Pain helps us identify where there is an injury or a wound that needs to be healed, and the process of removing pain can teach us patience and humility and compassion empathy and gratitude but when pain has finished its work we become liberated to do a greater work a more meaningful work thousands of people have benefited from their painful moments in life they have used those experiences as rays of light for other people they turned their misery into their ministry and their heartbreak into hope for others and Jesus did the same for us He came as God in the flesh to live among us, to understand our temptations, our disappointments and our hurts. But his suffering, his painful experiences ended on the cross. And now he continues to do more meaningful work for us, interceding on our behalf. At the pool of Bethesda, Jesus told the crippled man, get up, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was healed. Likewise, Jesus is telling you to get up. Whatever pit you've been in, get up. Whatever pain you've been holding on to, get up. Whatever hurt you've been feeling, get up. Whatever bitterness you've been harboring, get up. Whatever doubts you've been having, get up. Take up your bed, your excuse, your past, your disappointment and walk. Now is the time for you to move forward. Your journey to believing bigger has just begun. You've taken an important first step, but you must stay in motion. The enemy will never stop attacking, but the God in you is greater than anything the devil can throw your way. He is defeated and you are victorious. He is conquered, but you are a conqueror. He is a liar, but you know the truth and the truth has made you free. This is your time, seize it, get up. And that is how that chapter ends. And so let me just kind of break this down for you a little bit. The Pool of Bethesda had healing properties. And once a month at a certain time, if you were the first one in the pool, no matter what your ailment was, whether you were blind or crippled or paralyzed, if you were the first one in the pool, then you would be healed of whatever that ailment was. And so as you can imagine, anybody that was crippled or hurting or or blind or paralyzed, that was a hotbed of action. They were waiting and hoping to be the first one. And many of them had been there for years. And I submit to you that many of you have been there for years, whether you are dealing with an emotional hurt, some of you it's a physical hurt, some of you it's the pain of doubt, some of you it's the pain of despair, but something has kind of kept you waiting for a healing, waiting for a breakthrough, waiting for something to give, waiting for something to turn around. And as Jesus had happened upon this pool and he saw multitudes, many people hurting, and he had the power to heal all of them. He zeroed in on this one man who had been there for almost 40 years. I don't know how long you've been dealing with what you've been dealing with, but this man had been dealing with this for almost four decades. And when Jesus asked him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get better? instead of saying, yes, the man had excuses. And I wonder how often that happens to us where we go to church because you can be at church, but not in church. You can be there physically, but you're not there. Your personhood is not there. You're not invested in the message. You're not invested in the worship. You're not invested in the praise. So you can be at some place physically and really not be in that place And some of you have been there where you've been someplace where healing was supposed to take place. You might have been at the doctor's office or you might have been in the counselor's office and you're there. You're physically present, but the entirety of your being is not there. You're not invested in the healing process because the pain, the bitterness, the sadness, the depression, the whatever has taken such a hold on you that you don't recognize the opportunity to be healed. And the thing is, is that I believe, as I said in the very first part of this series, that so many of us are managing some form of pain, some form of anguish, some form of disappointment, that we often don't recognize that healing is closer than we think. And so I wanna give you, I wanna put this in perspective. When you are going through your valley, When you are in that place of despair or depression or hurt or bitterness or resentment or whatever it is, I want you to ask yourself three questions. I want you to stop for a minute and ask yourself these three questions. The first question Who is God? That's an important question. Who is God? Because I guarantee you, your answer to that question will determine how close and how available healing is to you. Do you think he's a genie in the bottle? Do you think he's an allegory? Do you think he's a fairy tale? He's a good dude. He's the man upstairs. Who is God to you? That's a question that you need to answer, because if you truly believe that God is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the ending, the first and the last, the author and the finisher of your faith, the creator of all through him, we live and move and have our being. If you really believe that and in his sovereignty, meaning that he can do anything but fail, then his power, his omniscience to be everywhere, every present all the time, knowing exactly what's going on with you. Then the second question moves you closer to your healing. So after you answer who is God, the second question that you need to ask is who am I? Who are you? I want you to think about King David. Psalms 8, he said, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him. In other words, who am I that you would even think of me? Who am I that the God of the universe would come down here and come and see about me? Who am I? In other words, do you believe that you are precious enough to God? Do you believe that he loves you? You with all of your flaws, with all of your shortcomings, with all of the things that you've done to, to disappoint him and yourself, with all of your, your sins and, and, and things that you've done that you're not proud of, do you believe that you are his child? Do you believe that in spite of all of that? He loves you because the word of God says that while we were yet sinners, while we were still in sin, while we were doing dirt, while we were in the midst of lying, cheating, stealing, backbiting, you name it, in the booth, in the back, in the corner of the dark, doing dirt. While we were in the midst of doing that, Christ died for us. And so do you believe that you are that precious to that God and if you believe that God is who the word says he is and if you believe that you are who the word says you are then the third question is what is his will for my life What does God want for me? What are his intentions towards me? What is his desire for me? What is it that he wants my life to be and to reflect? And the answer is found in Jeremiah 29, starting with the 11th verse. And it says, this is the Lord, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He says, I know the plans I have for you, my intentions towards you, my plan concerning you is not that you would be cast down, is not that you would be defeated, is not that you would be depressed, is not that you would be in despair, is not that you would be broken hearted, is not that you would be bitter and resentful and hateful And doubting whether or not God loves you and doubting whether or not what you've been called to can actually manifest. He said, no, the plans I have for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Your healing is closer than you think it is. He says, I have well intentions towards you. I want you to live a good life. I want you to prosper. I want you to be happy. I want you to be blessed. I want you to have joy. It may not mean that you have everything on your wish list, but I want you to know that you can still have joy despite the things materially that you have or do not have. This joy that we have does not come from the world. The joy that we have comes from him. Verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. In other words, you will seek me and you will find me. Not when you come complaining, not when you come weeping and wailing, not when you come Uh, having a pity party. Not when you Oh Lord, Oh Lord Why me? Oh Lord Oh see, you know, not when you got the enemy in your ear saying see if God really loved you, this wouldn't happen If God really loved you, your husband would be acting right. If he really loved you, your wife would be acting right. If he really loved you, your kids would have it together If he really loved you, you'd be able to overcome that struggle. If he really loved you, you'd be able to overcome that addiction. If he really loved you you would have the money that you 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 thought you would have by now, if he really loved you, then everything that you thought you would accomplish by this age would already be accomplished. No, he said, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. In other words, you will find the Lord when you come with expectation, when you understand who God is and when you understand who you are to God and when you understand what his will is for your life and you seek him with your whole heart, heart with expectation. The Bible says you will find me and I will listen to you. I said last week that it's not about your reaction. It's about your response. When you take that posture of worship, when you take that posture of expectation, when you take that posture of diligently seeking God, and when I say diligently, meaning like I know just the same way you look for your keys when you like, I, get, I know they're around here somewhere. I want you to think about that. Think about a time where you've lost something that was important. Your glasses, your keys, uh, $20 that you needed to go and pay a bill, something that you needed. And I want you to think about your approach when you go looking for it. You go looking everywhere. You pulling up cushions out the couch, you moving furniture around, you on your knees lifting up covers and looking up underneath the bed, you fishing around in your pockets, you're retracing your steps. In other words, you are diligently pursuing that thing that you lost with the belief, the hope, and the expectation that you are going to find it. And that is the same diligence, the same perseverance, the same fervor, and the same Passion with which you need to seek the Lord. The word of God says that when you seek me like that, you will find me and I will listen to you. And that is when you can tap into his will for your life. Your way out of the valley is as close as your willingness to diligently feverishly pursue God without all of your heart which means that you have drowned out everything else that you have shut down all other distractions and that you have laser focused on him his voice his will for your life his word says my sheep know my voice my sheep hear me and they know my voice right now if you're going through the valley, I suspect that there are other voices. It might be your own voice of self-doubt, it might be the enemy, it might be some trifling toxic people that you got in your life, but if you can block that out. That's one of the reasons why the Bible says go into your secret closet and shut the door. In other words, you need to get away from some folks. You need to create some distance from Facebook. You need to create some distance from Instagram. You need to create some distance from the mess. And he says shut the door. Oftentimes, if you go through the New Testament and you see Jesus praying, Jesus prayed off in the cut by himself. If you can create that distance and that space so that you can seek the Lord diligently, get into his word diligently and listen to his voice diligently. That is your healing. That is your pathway out of the valley. Ask yourself, do I want to get better? Do I want to be made whole? Do I want to have my joy restored? Do I want to have a testimony on my lips that I was down, but I was not out? If that's what you want for your life, then it is time to get up, get out of the pit of despair. Get out of that valley and notice a valley. The only way up out of a valley is you have to go up the hill. So it doesn't mean that it's going to be an easy way, but it means that you're going to have to climb your way out because the valley is low, but the mountain is high. And so that means that you're going to have to make your way out of the valley. One step, one level, one day, one prayer, one scripture, At a time, day by day, diligently committed to getting up out of that place of depression and despair and moving to that mountaintop of joy and of peace. It doesn't mean it's going to be an easy climb, but all you have to do is like the word says, take up your bed, take up your excuse, take up your bitterness, take up your resentment and walk. You can do it, believers. I believe in you. I know that you can. Woo, so that is it. That is the Valley finale. I hope that it blessed you. It blessed me. Please do send me your comments, your takeaways. Share this with somebody. Hop on iTunes and, and leave a review for the podcast to make it easier for people to find. I have thoroughly enjoyed this series and this time with you. Thank you guys so much. I will see you guys next week.